Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast, where we talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. And today I've got an awesome guest for you guys. It's Ross Hillier. He is a coach. He is the host of the Nomad Strength Show, and he is all about building men into leaders through strength, health, and the outdoors. So he is an awesome guest, uh, just to kind of tease it for a minute. Before I get into the conversation, you guys know the deal. Uh, if you get something out of this podcast, please share it with someone else. I want to share this message with as many people as possible, and I don't run ads. I don't pay for advertising or anything like that to get out there. I, I go by word of mouth, and I appreciate how much it has grown. I'm actually very, very impressed with how many people you guys are sharing this podcast with and the reach that we're getting already. Uh, please continue to do that. Also, if you leave a review, send me a screenshot to the email that I'm leaving down below. It's redbeardoutdoors1 at gmail.com, and I will send you something in the mail out of my gratitude for you supporting the show. The reviews definitely help. Again, it spreads the message, gets us out there, and lets more people know what I'm all about. Uh, I want you, as the listener, to live a more happy and successful life, whether that be with your family, whether that be in fitness and the outdoors. I've found that if you incorporate all three of those things into your life, most, if not all, successful people incorporate those things into their lives that allows them to have continuous success. And I'm on my journey. I'm nowhere near where I want to be with success, but I'm on that journey and I'm sharing it with you. So that's what I'm all about. Normal Joe here, well, or John, Jonathan, <laughs> uh, dad jokes all day. Anyway, uh, that's what I'm all about, guys. So let's share that message. Also, companies that I work with, uh, amazing, amazing companies. I uh, leave the links down below. Save some money if you're already buying. That's the the supplements or uh, beard oil. I've got a great company that gives back to charity uh, right here out of Utah called Affect Beard. I love their beard oil and their beard butter. It doesn't matter what's, what length beard you have. If you have a beard, scruff, long beard, whatever it may be, go get some of their products. You won't regret it. It will definitely help with any itch. It will definitely help with, sorry to say it, guys, but any dandruff. You guys know what I'm talking about if you get it in your beard and you don't take care of your beard. So go grab some of that. Also, Absolute Aid is an amazing company. Very clean product, CBD, THC-free I know there's a lot of letters there. THC-free CBD chewables. That's what I've been using uh, whenever I have a recovery day or I'm feeling a little sore uh, or just to add to the fish oils that I already take. Great, great company. Go check them out as well. As you also know, I work with First Form. Amazing supplements. If you look for protein, pre-workout, whatever it may be, shoot me a message. I can guide you a little bit on that with nutrition, uh, but they do amazing things, such an amazing environment, great customer service. But on top of that, the quality is bar none, the best supplements that I found, best protein around, and I wouldn't recommend anyone else. Uh, I've got amazing other companies that I work with, such as Alpenfuel, alpenfuel.com. You go use my code with the link below. You'll save some money on the best backcountry granola you will ever have. It's all gluten-free, uh, they have great flavors. My favorite is the cranberry white chocolate that they just came out with. 
Close second would be the chocolate strawberry and the caramel apple. But you go choose out of their amazing flavors. You can also order Heather's Choice off of there with my discount code. Uh, save some money. We're getting into backpacking season, eventually hunting season. You're going to need some good nutrition. Don't go buy the crap that you can just over at Walmart that's going to tear up your gut after three days of eating it. Go get good nutrition for the backcountry. Outside of that, go check out any of the other links. Again, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to save you some money on stuff that you're already purchasing. And I only work with companies that I've used, trust, and they're just great all-around companies. So go check them out. Now, without further ado, here is Ross Hillier. All right, I've got a treat for you guys here. We've got Ross Hillier. I didn't mispronounce your last name, right? No, you're good, man. Awesome. From Nomad Strength. And uh, we're going to talk to Ross a little bit here, and he's going to talk to us about what he what he does with the outdoors community. He's got a lot of ties, and uh, he does some awesome things. He's got his own podcast as well. So, uh, Ross, tell us a little about you and Nomad Strength and uh, what you got going on. Yeah. Oh, man, where to start? Um, well, I am. I do have the podcast. That's only a... Uh, a fairly recent endeavor in in my world. Um, we're actually coming up next week on the one year mark, and next week on the episode one hundred mark, also, which is really cool. Um, but by trade and by training, I am a coach. So I have I've worked in in health and fitness for man almost a, coming in on a decade now, and. Uh, but I've been training and lifting weights since I was 13. You know, it's always just kind of been the thing that I enjoy doing. And uh, it was something that I always just connected to, uh, even when I was participating in sports, uh, I was always more interested in the, in the weight room oftentimes than just the, uh, the actual sport itself. And I, and I did a couple sports in college and stuff, but I always just really enjoyed, uh, the training aspect of it. And I enjoyed helping people get strong and, and seeing like, you know, it's the environment where you can really kind of sculpt yourself, you know, like it's, it's one of the few places where you can go in and like purposefully do something and then see physical evidence that you did a thing. And, uh, I always really loved that. And so it kind of just naturally happened that I wanted to keep doing that as a profession. Um, worked in a big box gym, you know, the traditional like gold's style gym for a couple of years getting started, which, you know, everybody kind of has their issues with those places. If you're a coach, uh, just from pay scales, I'm like, none of that stuff's really that important. But what, it, what was really nice about it was uh, it helped me get in front of hundreds of people in a very short amount of time. Like I just logging training hours and seeing all, I mean, from people from all walks of life, uh, watching how they move, understanding human movement, movement patterns, how to get people stronger, no matter where they come from. Right. I mean, patterns exist in, in all those places. And so, uh, after a couple of years of that, I, I broke out on my own and, uh, I was just doing like the, you know, I kind of liken it to how salons and barbershops do where they charge people for a chair. I found a couple of places where they just charge me rent and they're like, come in, train, however many people you want. It's your business. We're just going to provide the space and the equipment. So I did that for several years. And then in the fall of 19, um, my son was just a few months old. I decided to make the, the jump and do everything online. And so I've been coaching full-time online uh, since then. And then in the last year, just started the, 
the podcast as a just more so kind of a selfish way for me to be able to talk to really cool people I wouldn't otherwise be able to. <laughs> I make that joke a lot on I've made it several times on on my podcast when I have people that like I would never expect to have on the show like you know I mean, I'm a super small show. Like it's just me and my, I mean, like you're looking at me in my bedroom, uh, like you're in your bedroom too. It looks like, I mean, you were, we're similar in that regard, but like, uh, if I was to, I think I had, I was super fortunate. I had Jack Carr on like episode 12 or something like that. Like I was, I mean, nobody, you know, in, in the realm of podcasts, but he was super gracious and said yes. And, I make that joke where it's like, if I were just to call like message Jack Carr and be like, dude, do you still like want to hop on the phone for an hour and just chat? He'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> but like, dude, I got a podcast. Like, why don't you come on? You can promote your new book. And he's like, oh yeah, for sure. And he's super nice about it. And it was, it was just really cool. So that's been like kind of a, a hobby that's turned into a little bit more uh, than a hobby in the last several months, which has been really cool. Just being able to connect and meet rad people all the time. That's awesome, dude. And yeah, so technically it's not my, my bedroom's a little bit nicer than this. My office is uh, it's a little <laughs> messy, but I haven't quite, you know, there's like patching here that I got to do a little bit here. Dude, and my that, bedroom but, and office is the same, is the same room. So it's like, I'm, <laughs> it doesn't even matter for me, man. Yep, exactly. No, I get you. I, I feel you. that's kind of, it's funny. Cause we started kind of about the same time then. Cause mm -hmm. I started, uh, it was either June or July of last year. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, it's, it's the same thing, man. You know, there's, it's that value exchange, right. Where you're yeah. like, you call somebody you're like, Hey, can I quote unquote, pick your brain for an hour? Like I've grown right. to hate that quote now, I but hate that one too. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, you're <laughs> yeah. just taking right. But now, right. Exactly. now you've got a platform that you can share with people from across Definitely. the world. Other, you know, people that may not listen to maybe like order of man or the bigger podcasts, Sure. They find yours and they hear Jack Carr and then they yeah. kind of go down that rabbit hole. That's pretty awesome. So, but, but cool, man. So, uh, so you've been a health fitness coach pretty much your whole life. Um, and how old are you again? I'll be 30 next month. Oh, so we're the same age. That's there, crazy. There we dude. go. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say I turned 30 in May. There, so there's a lot of, uh, similarities between you and I and finding right? out. I like right? it. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, so, so you've been a health fitness or would you just say lifting coach or kind of all of that wrapped in the you know it's it it's taken so many different forms and it it i imagine that most coaches go through the same trajectory uh that i did at some point or another like you know you can go the really specialized route if your goal is to train a very specific type of person or like an athlete for example like if you know you're gonna like want sports performance for football players there's a lot of steps you can take to there, but for a lot of coaches who just want to train, you know, the general population and then maybe a subset within the general population. Like I work exclusively with men at this point. Um, and there was several reasons for that. Uh, but from there, a lot of us really just kind of take the same journey. Like we always, all, all of us all started just reading Arnold and reading the magazines and wanting to get huge, right? Like, I mean, that's where everybody, you know, that's kind of around our age or maybe a little bit older. Uh, that's where we all started when it came to training. It was just like, how do I get as big as possible? Um, and then from there, it was like, you know, cause I was, I mean, you're the same age as me. So maybe you can remember ages a little bit better than I can. I'm really kind of bad at that, but you know, I, I think I was like a sophomore or so in high school, right around. So that would have been like, Oh, six, Oh seven, something like that. When, uh, when CrossFit was like, just kind of starting to 
be nationwide. This was before mm-hmm. the games happened, but it was like, okay, people are doing this thing over here. Nobody understood it still. Um, but my uncle was very early certified as an L1. Like he got his L1 in like 2004, 2005, like one of the first couple of years they had it. So he wrote me into that fairly early and I loved it. I mean, it's like everybody who comes across it for the first time, you're just like, what was that? Like, this was cool. I feel like I'm wrecked and I want more. I don't know why. And so I did that for several years. Drinking um, the Kool-Aid. Exactly. But I mean, like it, it's it in terms of a training system, where it went after the games became a thing and it became about like, you have to train six times a day and blow yourself up and all this kind of stuff. Like as it is its original training model that Glassman came out with, like in the late nineties, it's, it's brilliantly elegant just because it's like, how do I do a crazy amount of work for people who are like, maybe I only have 30 minutes. I need to get the most out of this 30 minutes. It's great for that. Like most, like 90% of the people are going to get fitter. Right. And, uh, and so I loved it for that reason. And then a lot of times what happens when you get into the CrossFit world is it opens you up to like these different avenues that branched out from CrossFit. So you have like the Olympic weightlifting crew that like that whole sport basically became resurrected because of CrossFit. Right. And then you have like the kettlebell crowd because people in the States had never seen a kettlebell. Really. It was just like this really tiny, like Pavel's world only in the late nineties that people even knew what a kettlebell was. So there was like these other avenues that opened up and I did a little bit of Olympic weightlifting for a while. Um, but I really clung to kettlebells, man. Like it was, there was just something about them, uh, that I just loved the way I could use them, the different ways like you could train with them. And, uh, it was very, it was, it was like one of those moments where I'm like, why haven't I been doing this the whole time? You know what I mean? Like there was several of those moments. Um, so this, long story short, like this journey that I think all coaches kind of go on with like, what's my, what's my thing that I enjoy. You have to try everything first before, you know, like, well, I didn't like this part at all. Like there's, and it's kind of an always ongoing journey. Um, Cause there are still things that like, you know, some new things that come out and like, man, that sounds really rad. I'll try that for a little while, see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'm like, at this point, I'm not emotionally attached to any method, which I think is uh, something that a lot of coaches are. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, maybe for good reasons, maybe, maybe it's like, you know, maybe they're a sports performance coach. They work with football players only. They believe that their way is the best. That's totally fine. If they've got the results, like keep doing your thing, man. Uh, but I'm in a place where like, I'm just trying to find like what I enjoy, what's best for me, what's best for the, the guys that I work with. And so I'm like, if I find out one day that kettlebells don't work, I don't think that's going to be the case by the way. Uh, but if I find out one day that kettlebells maybe aren't the best way and that there's something else, I'm like, sweet, I'll try that for a while. Maybe that's good. If that's going to benefit my guys, then then I'm all for it. Yep. No, that's awesome. And I I love that open mindset because it is, it's constantly evolving and uh, you know, CrossFit is, is pretty new to me. Um, You know, I, it's something that I I've known about, but like I was originally wanted to be a PT and I always joked that CrossFit kept us in business between that and snow sports. Like it would keep (laughs) physical therapies in business. Right. You know, there's just so much, ACLs and uh, shoulder damage and all this stuff from bad coaching and, and all that. But um, in the last probably six months uh, I've kind of picked it up because yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you can get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. And uh, in, you know, this last weekend we did a 14 minute workout with Ben from wad prep dude, like after minute three, 
I was like so focused on just cranking out as many reps as I could without dying <laughs> that like I could all the noise around me just disappeared, you know, and 14 yeah, minutes in, like I my legs are still sore from that assault bike. Like it's just you <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I believe. Well, and, that's the uh, that's the funny thing about it too, is it's like uh the early days of cross it, it like with CrossFit specifically, it just it it also goes through went through patterns, right? I mean, it it started as like that super minimal you know, we're in the way that he wrote fitness in a hundred words, I still think is incredibly applicable to most people, you know, like learn how to learn new skills. Here's the basic movement patterns that we need to be good at, right? Like be strong, be able to have endurance, have skills that you develop. I mean, like it on its base level, like that's really great health advice for almost everybody. Yeah. Right. And then it became the sport, which made people train differently because they're training for the sport and it became a game, right? And it became gamified. And so now, and it always kind of was because that was the point of AMRAPs, like how many reps can you do? But now it's like an actual event. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, it kind of like, it, it went through this super saturated phase where, you know, there was, it was like Starbucks. There was a CrossFit gym on every corner in every city in America, basically. It was huge. And then in the last, maybe like, I want to say like five or six years, it's, it's starting to kind of settle down and, and weed out the ones that probably weren't ever going to make it anyways. Right. It was like that early adopter phase. Everybody was just trying to get in and, and be a part of the gold rush. And then the ones who were looking long-term with like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a staple in this community. I'm going to train people to be healthy and strong for their whole life. Those are the ones that like stuck around, you know, which is at this point, it's kind of a cool thing because like, you know, for the most part, like if there's a CrossFit gym, that's been around more than 10 years, like, you're in a good spot in terms of like the level of coaching and, and, and everything there. Cause so much of like, and I'm sure you dealt with this in like PT stuff, you know, all the injuries that happen, some of it's ego, but like a lot of it in the early stages specifically was just, you know, coaching and, you know, it, it's not to say like, it's just bad coaching, but uh, I'd say that's a part of it. Paying attention. Like the coaches weren't paying attention as well as what I would see with injuries. Like they weren't what they'd get the big group classes yeah. And they weren't focused on the individual anymore to get those basic movements down. And that's what would happen. It didn't even have to be heavy weight. It was just the fact that, you know, you threw your back out because you're trying to snatch and your snatch went way behind your head and you didn't let go of the bar, you know, yeah. things like that. So well, and there's, and there's an art to it too, especially like, you know, education and education teachers go to school for like years to learn how to manage a class of 30 kids. Right. And class management is a part of like the L1 and to some degree, but like, you know, that's a weekend. That's a weekend that you're spending getting your L1 yep. and another weekend you're spending getting your L2 and, and L3 and L4 or whatever it is. So, I mean, it, it's just, you got to log the time to understand like how to move through a room and how to operate a room. And you'll notice, like, if you've been to places that are good at it, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't make a difference if there's 40 people in there or if there's six people in there, like everybody's still getting the right work done. And that's like, that's what I love to see is like, that's where good coaching shines is the art of learning how to manage multiple people and still get like the most out of them. Yep. No, I agree with that hundred percent. That's awesome. So um, let, let's go back to uh, off the CrossFit Kool-Aid and back to nomad strength <laughs> a little bit. Tell me, tell me more about that. How, how yeah. did, so obviously you've been coaching for a while. How long has nomad strength been around and tell us a little bit more about kind of that model. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, when I left the, the corporate gym and went on my own in 2016 was really kind of the first iteration of it, I guess you could say the name nomad strength has only been around 
I don't know, a year or so, but it's kind of all the same principles. It's just me changing the names of stuff because I, I end up liking names better. Uh, this one, I, this one's going to stick because I have a podcast named after it that a lot of people know. So I can't just like go willy nilly and change the names on stuff anymore, <laughs> which is good for me. But it kind of um, fits with you, right? No matter right, strength and just like moving things, you know, changing it does. things constantly. Yeah. It, it does. And, and really the reason I connected with that word nomad, um, it, it really came out of necessity. Okay. So we have, uh, you know, I have a wife, I have a almost three-year-old son. Uh, we have another on the way in July, which actually, I mean, we're like at the, we're like at the 20 ish week point right now, but other than like friends and stuff, I don't know if I've actually like announced it publicly. So here's some, you know, if anybody's listening that doesn't already know me and doesn't know that you can message me like, why didn't you tell me? Uh, but we live in a, a small cottage style house, you know, it's like 750 square feet and, uh, we love it. Like it's, it's exactly what we want. And, um, space and the idea of more like minimalism became really attractive to us when we moved here. Cause it was definitely a downgrade in size, you know, it's exactly what we wanted, but the idea of just having stuff clutter up things was like something I was really working through for a long time. And so it, it made its way into how I coach and how I train myself, because it's like, you know, if I'm going to have this space, I'm not going to need, or, or maybe I don't need a full weight room set up with huge power racks and, you know, tons of weights and tons of machines and all this kind of stuff. Like, what can I do? What can I accomplish with just a handful of kettlebells and some, a couple sandbags, maybe a pull-up bar. Right. And so the experiment kind of began there. It's and and you realize you can achieve like stupid levels of fitness and strength using those implements. And I know guys that use like just a single kettlebell and, are like some of the most brutally strong people I've ever seen in my life. And so it's like, well, maybe there's, there, there's a reason for this. And so it's like the idea of a nomad being like super minimalistic, right? Like only, only needs what he can carry on his back. Right. And then, you know, obviously if you got a handful of things, it's, you can't obviously carry a lot of that, but the idea of just like, we don't need all this stuff. We can strip it down and still be really fit and really healthy and it kind of tied into like this lifestyle change that we were going through moving into a smaller home and like getting rid of a ton of stuff that we just didn't need anymore. And so there was kind of like this decluttering thing that was going on and it all kind of coincided together with, with how I was training at the time. And so it really just kind of made a lot of sense. And, and me being so attached to kettlebells, it was like, this is the tool. And so like you see the logo on the podcast, it's sometimes tough for people to decipher, but it's an upside down kettlebell with a beanie with a beard around the chin, which is exactly how I look right now in this video. Like it's just a kettlebell instead of my face, <laughs> but like that's, that's the logo. And it was like, that's the perfect way to sort of encapsulate what it is that we do because I train guys, most of them train out of their own homes. And so there's like this barrier where it's like, well, what do I actually need? Like, if I need all this stuff to train, I don't know if I can do it from home. I don't want to go to a gym, you know, but I don't know if I can do enough with just a couple of things that I have. And it's like, dude, you totally can. And you can really do more than that. Like if somebody's coming from nothing, I usually have like a couple of things. I'm like, if you can, and some of it's even like DIY stuff. Like if we're talking like sandbags, people have duffel bags and backpacks. You can put some sand in a garbage bag, put that in a backpack, duct tape the crap out of it. And you've got a good enough workout implement until you want to save up some and get some nice stuff, you know? Um, and so a lot of it is just like, how do we, the mindset of let's strip some of this stuff away that we think we need and, and utilize what's going to be beneficial, save space, save yourself time 
and just the the save yourself some mental capacity of thinking that I need all of this stuff in order to be successful. And so that's it's it's really evolved from you know big massive corporate shiny gym right to like my dingy little 12 by 20 shed in my backyard that has two horse trailer mats and seven kettlebells some sandbags granted i have a barbell now with some weights but i don't have a rack so anytime i want to do like back squats or front squats i have to clean it put it on there which i mean if you're talking about like that's how you build some extra strength like anything you got to squat you have to pick up like it's stuff like that and i i kind of enjoy that like really just stripped down approach to it. So it kind of made sense with nomad to, to use that term. No, I like that a lot. And I I've noticed that you, you do keep things very simple. And, and I think a lot of people that can apply to a lot of things, especially with fitness, because you can walk into a big gym and you can look around and there's all the different variations of cardio machines. There's yeah. all the different variations of weightlifting uh, machines. There's bands. There's now these fancy cages that look like a jungle gym at this point. Um, there's trampolines. There's the pool. Like you can just go on forever in some just of these amenity, gyms. amenities galore. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that's why I, so I stopped going uh, to a gym here recently because my buddy, I helped him, uh, a little bit here with building out his barn nice. and his wife actually coaches out of that, out of that gym. It, it's set up like a CrossFit gym um, with horse mats and stuff on the floor. But um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to, to not think, well, I need to be like the basic weightlifting movements, but going into, if I want to squat, I need to clean it, yeah. if, you know, and, and starting with a barbell or like what you were saying, kettlebells are amazing. You'd be surprised at what you do with a box or even a cooler. If you got a cooler, you don't have a box set up. Yeah. Just a cooler and a kettlebell and do some step ups for five minutes. You tell me how you feel after that. You know, like- exactly. <laughs> and that's, the, and that's really the idea is like, we, we put up so many barriers in our minds on what we think is necessary in order to achieve a result because we've seen somebody else do it and they had all this stuff. Right. But like my, one of my favorite examples is Rocky four. Like when, he, when he decides he's going to go to Russia and be in Russia where he can train and be away from everything. Like, what does he use? Like he's literally carrying a log on his back, walking through knee deep snow. He's like training in a barn with nothing. Like he's chopping wood, he's carrying stuff like all that kind of, I mean, and that's kind of the extreme Hollywood version of it. Right. But uh, the, the idea is the same. It's like, what's the, the, the idea of minimum effective dose? what's the least I can, what's the least I need to get the maximum effect. And when people kind of approach it from that way, some, some literal barriers and walls come kind of crumbling down in their minds. It's like, wow, I, you know, I I really don't need any of this stuff. Like I could, if I, if I had one kettlebell and one like 50 pound sandbag, like theoretically, I'd I'd really, including your body weight, like theoretically, I'd never need anything again. You know, it's just a matter of how in depth you want to go with some certain movements, but like what you need is always way less than what we think it is. Yep. No, for sure. That's awesome, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed with the idea. It seems like you apply this whole nomad idea, like what you were saying to pretty much your whole life. And I know there's, we've got, you know, piles of stuff in our house that we need to declutter and get cleaned out. Um, I just haven't made the time to do it. Right. And, it's still the and, same in our place. If you have the room, you'll fill it. It doesn't matter how exactly, big it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and so that, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm impressed that you can fit three human beings and then one on the way in a 700 foot 
square foot house and a, like that's and a impressive pound dog i don't know if you just yeah, saw, I saw him the in dog here walking around with that wow. yeah a tank and so i mean it's like yeah I, but it's it's and we're talking about like you know kid on the way there was some conversations on if we were going to stay here when that you know when the when the the next one comes along and we are for at least a little while but you know babies are small they don't take up a ton of space for a little while anyway i think so, and so until you're sleeping on the floor because <laughs> they stretched out horizontally on your bed dude <laughs> with the dog so like i'm already like and mine's almost three and it's like yeah i just get helicopter heels in the face and then i (laughs) i move i move over and there's just a paw in my leg and so it's like you know you just get used to it but uh I, i love it at the same time but yeah it's and like i said we've got space that's full and so even in this size of a place that feels cluttered even though it's by volume way less stuff than we had before you know it's it's doesn't matter if you live in a two in a three thousand square foot house or a 800 square foot house like stuff will make you feel cluttered and so like we always i mean like cyclically we go through phases like let's just purge stuff like we have clothes we need to donate we have junk we need to clear out of the basement where we have some storage stuff out of the shed get rid of some stuff like we do that constantly and it's like it always seems like we don't even do anything like it's like we spent a whole weekend getting rid of with two truckloads of stuff that we take to goodwill and then it's like do we even get rid of anything like (laughs) (laughs) like, i don't think we made a dent in any of this and so it's it's always a work in progress that idea of trying to live with less than what we think we need but it's you know some things are nice to have i'm not going to say like you need to just go and like be i don't know davy crockett and like have nothing or you know like live out in the woods with nothing and like things are nice you know and if you have nice things nice things are nice <laughs> so it's like right. where's where's that balance it's 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 ongoing for sure no that's that's awesome yeah yeah i i, I agree with that that if you got the space you'll fill it i just um yeah. I, i'm never good and it's funny because i talked with dan at elk shape about how we're over packers um, like whenever I go <laughs> yeah. on a backpack hunt, like my yeah. buddy's packs are like 20, 30 pounds for like three days. I'm like 70 pounds oh, plus man. water. <laughs> Jeez. And, and uh, I'm like, I just, I think of all the contingencies. It's going right. to rain. It's going to get cold. It's going to get hot. Yep. It's going to blah, 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 you know? And that's just kind of how I am. And so I'm like, well, now I just got to be funny. stronger to be able to carry that stuff. Around. There you go. <laughs> got to make go. up for it. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about, um, how, so, you know, I've seen you at the Sornex uh, winter strong event. Yeah. Um, you obviously you get outdoors uh, and where are you based out of again? I'm in Boise area, uh, just okay, outside so, of Boise in Idaho. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we actually live in a town called Nampa. It's actually like the yeah. second biggest city in the state, but nobody knows what that is. So I just say Boise. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, I've, I've heard of Nampa. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys are in Idaho. You're mm-hmm. a hunter. I know you use a, use a stick bow, right? But for hunting or just for fun? Actually, I, I just got into the archery side of stuff, uh, okay. probably within the last year. And I have an old hand-me-down compound Hoyt from my brother, my, be- my best friend's older brother. Uh, and so it's been a great one for me to learn on. I've, I've been able to add some nicer accessories to it, but the bow itself is still totally fine. Yeah. Um, so I haven't actually hunted archery yet. Um, the, the hunting thing is actually really interesting because, you know, growing up in Idaho, everybody hunts. Uh, but I was always so plugged in with sports that growing up, I never did. I fished all the time. Like my dad has steelhead fished his whole life. And so I steelhead fish 
uh, every year um, and, and went kind of more that route. But the hunting part, I, you know, with football every fall, it was like, I never, I never did. And whether that's a valid excuse or not, I don't know, because I had tons of friends that played football that still hunted. So uh, I just never got into it until I was out of college and actually married. Um, I got married pretty much right out of college, but uh, it wasn't until then that I was like, I've got time. Like, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And so, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm what you would call a adult onset hunter. Uh, and so it's been a, a huge learning curve for me. I spent uh, a couple of years doing it by myself, you know, just be like, I'm just going to walk out and I don't know, see what happens. Uh, and it's, I'm, I'm trying to find the people I can learn from the best, which is part of the reason, like, I, I like having outdoor people on the show too. Like, uh, people that I can learn from in ways, you know, get, get their expertise that I otherwise wouldn't have access to. Like being able to chat with them for an hour on a podcast is like, you, you can learn some valuable information about that. And, and more than anything with the pod, it's been able to just build a network of people that, you know, I can, I can ask questions to if I need to and build some good relationships with a couple of people that I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet that, you know, this is a journey, like I'm, I'm, I'm a total white belt at this. And so part of it was like, incorporating the outdoors into the health world is sharing like my early stages of this journey and like the, the lessons I'm learning as a beginner. And, you know, cause I know that there are a lot of people, especially from the last couple of years that are like, Oh, I might not be able to rely on a supermarket for my food. Right. And it, and it was like, it was the joke kind of, you know, the most Google search term in April of 2020 was how to make sourdough bread and the other one was how to start a backyard garden. Like that was everybody. And it was kind of, a, it was kind of amazing. Like that was so many people's initial thought was like, I'm, I might not be able to rely on somebody else for food here. And so that was obviously a big part of it. And so, um, yeah, it's just been a fun experience to be able to connect with some like just rad people, like through the podcast, like you mentioned, you were at Elk Shape Camp. I had Dan on about a month or so ago. Uh, I just had a conversation that released this week with Ryan Lampers um, just some, some awesome guys that I've been fortunate enough to, to know that have, you know, in a way in the world of social media, like be mentors without necessarily like being with me, you know, like, I think that that hinders a lot of people from starting something because they don't know, like, I need a coach or I need a mentor, but I don't know who's around me. Like, anymore you don't necessarily need someone to be around you like it's obviously helpful in some ways because if you're hunting and you're looking at a certain area like you want somebody who knows that area right or if you're like a brand new new person to training it's helpful to have somebody in person that can help you move correctly and help you understand because uh, there's just a different connection in person versus online i mean i'm not i mean i mean my whole business is online but i still have a couple people that i train in person and uh it just makes it, there's, there's a little bit of a cutoff learning curve there. And I, and I remember when I talked to Dan, he's, he had mentioned that that was really the whole purpose of the camp that like you had gone to was like, get people in person so we can help chop that learning curve down on some of these issues or some of these things that people have questions about hunting. And so it's, it's been a fun, like learning experience. And, and I'm already, I'm jacked for, for this fall. I was thinking I was going to maybe and I guess it's not off the table completely, but I was thinking I was going to hop on a spring bear hunt this year. Uh, weekends that I was the weekends that I was able to make that happen. I'm not sure able to anymore, but it's not a done deal 
yet. Like I still could make it happen. But other than that, like I'm, uh, I'm just already, I'm jacked for, for this fall to get out there. And this will be my first year. I'll, I'll take my bow out into the field. So I'm shooting a ton right now. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's awesome, man. That, that is pretty sweet. Now, uh, before I kind of dissect what you were just talking about here, I do want to ask you two questions. Um, how long have you been doing jujitsu? Uh, also a year. Uh, okay. I started the podcast and jujitsu like the same week. So okay. I like think a couple of days ago was my, my, the anniversary of my first class. Nice. So yeah. Okay. And, uh, do you wear shorts in the winter? Do I wear shorts in the winter? Uh, well, yes, but, uh, not, I'm not like out. Like if we're going okay. to dinner, I won't, but like well, pretty much every, every, every other instance. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. yes. Um, we need to compare genealogy because I feel like you're my Idahoan twin <laughs> because like, seriously, everything you were just talking about, I'm like, I started shooting a bow two years ago. Last year was my first archery year. Like just like all that's like hilarious, everything that you were dude. just dissecting. I'm like, dude, really? Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny that you mentioned that because I did. And honestly, I, I probably regret giving my DNA to some company now that's going to use it to create a robot that looks like me. But, uh, there's, I did the ancestry thing like four or five years ago. And, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but it just made me think of this when you, when you said long lost twin, uh, I went through most of my life thinking I was mostly Italian, right? Uh, my grandmother's super Italian. So I knew, and I know that there's genetics in there that are, that are Italian. Um, but when I did those, those, that ancestry test or whichever one it was came back that I was like 39% Scottish and like 20 something percent Irish. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm just assuming because of your red beard, that that's like, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> maybe it's a poor assumption, but like, you know, if it's red beard, I imagine there's a little Irish blood in there. And so maybe we are by some yeah, distance, some, some long some lost cousins. Way. That's crazy. Cause yeah, I had the same Ireland's thing. Ireland's a small so, country, dude. <laughs> right. So I, um, yeah, I think I can't remember. I think I'm like 90 something percent Irish. And then, oh, uh, and I, I love, so I went down to Mexico on my mission and I love the culture, love the food. I picked up Spanish, like I'm fluent. I sound Mexican. Um, <laughs> and, and so to the point where when I came back, like my grandpa was like, you sound, you sound Mexican, like even your English, bit of an accent. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, I've got like a point or like 1% Spanish in me somehow. I don't know how that happened. I'm like clinging to that. I'm like, I yep. know what's in me. I've got it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so, so I kind of did the same thing where I grew up sports were my thing. Um, I did. I like, I always looked at the hunters out East. It's a little different. Um, I feel like a lot of hunters are out of shape. Um, they wear camo, they wear, they, they ride right around in the, you know, the coal rolling trucks um, that are overlifted, you know, things like that. And so I had that in my head growing up, but when, when I was born, my, uh, my grandpa had the foresight to buy me a lifetime hunting and fishing license in North Carolina. That's awesome. And, and so I could call him up and be like, Hey, I want my tags and I can go out there and, and hunt. But I grew up fishing and it was bass fishing for us, big mouth, okay. large mouth bass. And that's yeah. so much fun. We never ate them, but just the sport of like that, that hit on the, on the top water, oh, yeah. we never did below the water. Uh, it was all top water stuff. So we could watch it yeah. and get a full experience. I loved it. 
Um, and then kind of had the same thing where I got back from my mission. I got married right after my mission. You got married right out of college. Yep. You know, like it's just crazy the the parallels there. But yeah, so You're, last we're like, year we're like variants of the same, like we're like the multiverse. Like me right? and you are just the, <laughs> the Spider-Man totally in a different universe. <laughs> <laughs> we both love fitness, we both love health mm-hmm. coaching, the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's crazy the all the parallels. But um, so I, I had a really good buddy. Uh, that called um, and I, I didn't know him at the time really uh, and and I've always been kind of drawn to older people um, than me like my friendship group is like generally five to ten years older than me yeah. the people that I honestly hang out with and um, and so he called my wife for something in our in the ward here in our you know congregation for those of you that aren't LDS um, but just basically the neighborhood and he needed some help moving something and uh, he called me John, which no one calls me John, especially mm-hmm. being from North Carolina. Like no one shortened names. That's a totally Utah thing. Um, and and my wife was like, actually, it's Jonathan. And yes, I can give you his phone number. Like she like totally just like, and that's his first experience with me. Right? That's hilarious. <laughs> and so, but anyway, he like, it got to the point where he was a great mentor. He took me out. I shadowed him on a year's worth of hunts because I didn't draw my first year started with rifle. And then last, I guess, two years ago, I picked up a bow and I said, I need to be shooting consistent for a year before I'll even put in. Yeah. Cause I don't want to wound an animal. Like I'm, I love animals. I've always had pets growing up. Um, we don't now cause we've got too many kids to worry about training a dog, but, (laughs) but, uh, um, you know, I I'm on the same, I'm on that same path. So I, I love, the idea of finding good mentors. I think that's huge. That's key. And also, um, you know, setting the standard for yourself is a big deal too, because you you're already fit. You're into the fitness lifestyle that how that translates into Western hunting. It just makes you, as Dan would say, limitless in the mountains. You know, you can hike in further, you can carry more weight. uh, You can push past limits that other people can't. You're not a road hunter. Like you're going to have better experiences in like this last year where um, I didn't tag out on elk, but I had so many close encounters in my very yep. first year that I walked away from that with no regrets. Like, totally. you know, it's cool that I didn't fill a tag because I was able to see them, hear them, experience them. And I was able to not be tired at the end of the day, carrying my bow around all day. That's huge. So, I mean, you're going to, you're going to love it, dude. Like bow hunting, it's got me hooked. Um, and I'm excited, you know. man. It'll be, I'm really looking forward to getting out with it the first time because we, uh, and a, and a buddy of mine who I also recently had on the show, Zach, um, he, he is a, he's a bow hunter. Oh, he's amazing. But he, he was telling me he approaches all hunting, even when he's, and he, the only rifle hunting he does is when he goes wolf hunting. And, uh, but he still approaches everything from a bow hunter's mindset of like, how close can I get? Right. Even if I've got a rifle and then he also does, uh, traditional archery. And so even when he's with his compound hunting, he's like, okay, well I'm at 50, but I could get to 15, you know, like if I like, cause that's where I would have to be. If I had my recurve, I need to be 15, 20, you know? So it's like, it's, it's crazy how, uh, how those kind of things can change your approach. And last year when uh, we were on, we did a late season elk hunt last year that again, like yours, I didn't tag out on it, but we got within, I want to say like 80 yards, two or three different mornings. And it was a rifle hunt. So, I mean, like that's well within range, but uh, there just wasn't, there was two young spikes that were with that herd uh, both days prior. And then when we got within 
that distance both times they weren't with them. And so like there was, there was nothing we could do. Like we did everything right, showed up, they walked right in front of us, had no idea we were there, but he just wasn't. And then when we saw him again, they were a thousand yards away and then he was with them. And so we're like, well, and it was like two minutes left of, of light for the day. So we're like, okay, well, not going to happen. But like you said, just the experience of getting that close, watching them move, getting to understand how they operate, like learning patterns that makes for a successful trip, even if you don't come back with meat, right? I mean, cause it's, you're coming back with lessons at the same time, but you know, you either did something right. And it just like my situation, he just wasn't there. Like we did it best we could at the time, or you do something horribly wrong. And it's like, well, I know not to do that anymore. So still a lesson learned. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole experience and it, and it's, you know, there's always going to be those people. It got me real frustrated. Uh, the first year we went out for, um, for my, my first year in elk hunting two years ago, I was, I was shadowing my buddy who was bow hunting mm -hmm. and, um, we got, we were done. We didn't tag out and we went to the gas station and there was this guy and I hate to be judgmental, but I'm judgmental when I'm, when I'm a little grumpy from not tagging out and being in the woods for a week. <laughs> and we pull up at the gas station and he had this raghorn, which for me, you know, five points is not a raghorn, but people right. call it a raghorn. <laughs> right. And, uh, in the back of his truck, big old dude, way overweight. And I was sitting there. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, <laughs> how did I've you been, get I've that? And he was four like, miles oh, yeah, back there. Here. Yeah. yeah. He was like, we were just over here. And I got him with my bow. It was right off the road. I'm like, really always, <laughs> always but you know i want to be that one that's consistent every year i don't want to yeah. be like the the miracle like oh i actually yeah. got one this Wait, time waiting know? for something lucky to happen and then exactly it, yeah. but exactly. some guys are lucky all the time man so whether you if you can call that consistency then i'm okay with being consistently lucky too yeah see i've and that's why i've grown my beard out a little bit more hopefully that'll i'll just rub it some more in the morning and hopefully that helps with the luck you know right. the ginger beard um uh, that's hilarious but but yeah that's that's awesome dude i, I love it that you're you're kind of almost recording your journey. And yeah. I, I didn't start thinking about this until a little bit through my podcast, but you're creating that legacy aspect for your kids as well. Mm. And you're, you're having it recorded your voice recording or any videos you do Instagram, things like that, pictures, all that stuff is there for your, your posterity as well. And you're keeping track of your journey as you yeah. go through it. And I think that's, that's pretty sweet. So you're, you're out to help people get healthier, especially more specifically men, um, mm -hmm. to, to live, you know, healthier lives, uh, mm -hmm. to be the strength for their family. But tell, tell me a little bit about how you get your family involved in the outdoors. Now I know it's probably not easy. Your wife's halfway through her pregnancy, <laughs> right. a three-year-old, but knowing, and just knowing yeah. a little bit that I know about you, I'm sure you still make it happen. So how, you how know, do you make that happen? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And actually it's been, I'm very fortunate in this regard. My, my wife grew up basically living out. I mean, they, they, they grew up in a similar area that we did in Southern Idaho. Um, but her and her older siblings and her cousins were like the kids that were always out in the desert, catching snakes and like lizards. And they were always doing stuff outdoors. And so she's kind of got it ingrained in her. She's at this point, you know, I never say never, but she's not the hunting type. Uh, she loves being outside. She loves doing outdoor activities. She's totally like, if it's, if it's warm weather, like she'll be outside as long as the sun's up. So like getting them outside actually isn't an issue at all. And my son is the same way. Like I, if, if 
he just wants to like play out in the yard and dig holes all day, like he'd be totally content doing that. So, you know, now that, uh, now that the weather is, you know, in Idaho, I guess you can never say now that the weather's turning better. It's only the first of March. We'll probably have two more winters by the time the weather's actually nice, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, on days that are nice or nicer, uh, it's pretty easy to like, just to get everybody outside. There's a lot of really great places around here where we live, uh, some great trails, some great, like small hiking areas. Um, I actually, so, I mean, as, as far as like being outside and just e- experiencing nature, it's super easy because they both love it. And so, uh, that, that's very fortunate. I was actually a really cool experience this week. Um, I posted about it the other day. Uh, I, I, I recently got a new, uh, rest on my bow that was sent to me by a friend. And so I was taking it into the local archery shop here to have them install it. And I took my son with me and, uh, we were just goofing around and hanging out there while they were putting it on. And he looks at me and he goes, do they have kid bows? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. We can ask. And so we went and asked and he, and he goes, and he asked them and he goes, do you guys have kid bows? And he's almost, he's two and a half, like he's almost three. So it's hilarious that he's just like walking up and asking people these questions. Uh, and the guy laughed. He's like, we don't have any to sell, but do you want to shoot one? And his eyes get like saucers and he's like, yes, I do. And so while they were working on mine, he brought out this little, uh, you know, plastic stick bow kind of thing. And it had a couple of arrows. They were flat tips. There was no points. And uh, he had just seen me shoot, you know, for the last handful of months. And, you know, he's never had one that his size. So we go out there and they have a 65 yards, really cool place, 65 yard indoor range, super wide, all kinds of 3d targets set up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kneel beside him and I'm holding the bow for him. So he understands how to hold it and pull it back. And I do the first couple with him while he's holding on and pull it back and have him let it go. And I'm like, okay, let go. And he lets it go. And he just giggles every time the arrow like flies out. He just, and it goes like four feet. Cause it's like a two pound draw on the bow, right? Like it's nothing. It flies and he's just like giggling doing it. And I'm like, okay, good. Like, let's try and do one by yourself now. So I set up the arrow for him and like, no joke, I got it on video and I posted it. it. It was 10 minutes after I was helping him and he's never even touched one in his life. He just stands perfectly sideways, just rips that thing back and, and lets it go. And, and his face, when he did it, it was actually funny because he was aiming at one of the 3d dinosaurs that was like 40 yards away. And he was actually pretty ticked that he didn't hit it. And like, he's like, Oh, I didn't do it. And I'm like, dude, you just shot it. And like, and at first I'm like, dude, I get it. 40 yard target missing it. Like, I understand you, man. <laughs> like you're going to miss sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was funny later, we got within about three feet of it. So I could have him shoot it from close so he could hit it. And he does it by himself, pulls it back, lets it go, drills the thing. But then he was upset because his arrows were blunted so they didn't stick into the foam. And he's like, oh, I wanted to stick it. And I'm like, dude, you got some high standards, my man. And I love it. And uh, so like, just to see like already, he sees me shooting. He sees like when I'm looking at my phone and my friends that are shooting, he's like, they're shooting their bow. And I'm like, yeah. And so ever since then, he's like, can we get a bow? Can we get a bow? So uh, we've got we've got one on the way so yeah. he can be out back shooting with me. And like, you know, I was under the impression this wouldn't be something that he would be even physically able to do for maybe another year or so. So that just goes to show how much, how little I know about it. Like he just ripped the thing back and right away. So I'm like, all right, man, the earlier, the better I'm pumped. So yeah, like, I don't think it'll be difficult getting him to want to take part 
you know, when he's old enough wanting to come up and spend a night with me in the mountains and, and do that kind of stuff. You know, we like, we love doing stuff outdoors. And so it's, I feel fortunate that it's not very difficult, but you know, I have another one on the way. It might be extremely difficult with that one. Like who knows, it, you know, if they want to great, if not, then that's also great. I'm not going to be like the dude who's like, okay, let's, let's get up. You're going to come with me and you're going to hate it the whole time. And like, you know what I mean? If they want to do it. Like that's awesome. Yep. No, I hear you on that. And that's a, that's a thing too, that I, I've noticed that a lot of people try and make it a lot more complicated. Like it has to be this thing that, that you're, you're making your kids do, or, you know, and there's days I'm not gonna lie. Like right now we haven't been hiking a ton because there's a bunch of snow and yeah. um, some of the places we hike, I don't want the kids falling from slipping and stuff, but we still get out and go to the park. We go and ride our bikes. We go and you yeah. know ride your scooters. But the main thing that I want to key in there is that your your son, who's three, saw you doing it and wanted to be like dad. He did, yeah. You didn't ask him if you wanted to shoot. He asked, right? And and that's the same that I've noticed with my kids. And a lot of people need to realize that that it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a fight because generally when it's a fight, the kids are going to push back. It's yeah. just, we've all been there. We don't want to do what our parents want us to do. Right. <laughs> right. Um, even though we think it's cool, you know, they asked us to do it. We're not going to do it. Right. Just and because they asked you to do it, you're not going to do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's, there's obviously there's times where you do kind of have to push them a little bit more. If you're going on a three totally. mile hike and you're at two and a half miles and your son wants to give up, like you're like, yeah, okay. But um, for the most part, it is that they see what you're doing. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my, seven-year-old is asking me when he can start going to the gym with me because he knows when he wakes up in the morning and I'm not there, it's because I'm on my way back from the gym. Yep. And, you know, just all of those things start with leading from the front, you know, setting that example, which is what you're doing with your family. And, and, um, I love that, that, you know, you're, you're saying that your wife may not be into hunting right now, but she loves being outdoors. Yeah. You know, she loves being out there. That's key as well. Um, is, is having that, that time where you can incorporate, your fitness with your family in the outdoors. You know, you don't want to just always be going off by yourself right. and making it a selfish thing that you right. are out there. It's got to be a family thing as well. You got to have that incorporation in there. So that's awesome, man. I love it. Um, and what, so you're, I mean, what, what's your favorite outdoor activity to do with your family? If you had to pick oh, one. Oh man. Yeah. Um, well, during summer months, we're big, we're big boating people. Uh, I don't have one, but my uncle does. And so we live two miles away from a, a decent sized lake right here. So most nights during the week, you know, my wife works in education. So during the summer, she's technically on summer break. Right. And I work online so I can really kind of set my own schedule work from anywhere. Um, so we're out on the boat, you know, several nights a week during the summer months and, you know, wake surfing and uh, jet skiing, that kind of thing. We're my, my wife was a swimmer growing up. My son, they're both water babies. Like, so if there's water around, like that's, that's where they want to be. So we do lots of stuff at the lake and, um, you know, uh, when I go steelhead fishing, it's generally like late fall winter months. So it's, it gets pretty cold out on the water. So my son isn't really quite old enough to do that yet, just because I know he'd be miserable the whole time. And it's not really something where we can just stop and like, go be warm because we're out on the river on a boat in the middle of nowhere. So it's like a few more years, he'll be able to do that with me. But I love, I've, I, I've been steelhead fishing since I was a kid. My dad uh, has done it for 40 something years now. It's actually the town where we 
always go. That's like been my dad's spot to go steelhead fishing is actually the namesake of my son. So, uh, you know, that's a big part of, of the outdoor, outdoor part of my life. My dad worked in, uh, like agriculture farming and still does. So as soon as all the harvest stuff was done in October, he's like, I'm out, I'm going fishing for a week and a half. You know, I'll see, I'll come back and I'll see you guys soon. So it was like as old, as soon as I was old enough to, to go on those trips, it became something uh, that I wanted to do. So it's kind of the same thing, like love fishing, love being outside. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, but uh, I used to ski and I used to ski a ton, but I haven't done that for a long time. That's something I really want to do. I think next year will be the year I do it because I want him to do it. And so, you know, anytime we can do anything, I'm, I'm down. That's awesome. And again, you bring up something that's so, that's so key that, you know, you don't sound like you're missing out on things because you have a family. You know, there's so many people that blame their family um, for not being able to get outside, not being fit, not being able to eat nutritious food um, for convenience sake, like it, all those things. And that, that's something that, that people need to realize. I love the simplicity that you bring up in pretty much your whole life. And that, again, you don't sound like you're missing out on skiing. Like, yeah, you miss it. You enjoy it but you want, you're more excited about getting your son out with you. Right. You know? And so the fact that that's a thing, it just, I, I love it. I love it, man. And I love, I love seeing people that can do that and be successful at the same time um, in their lives. So if you had to pick, if you had to pick one thing that drives you on a mm -hmm. daily basis, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Out of those oh, warm man. sheets into the cold, well, I guess maybe it's not cold right now in Idaho, but it's actually uh, today. Has nothing to do with the question, but today is surprisingly one of the nicer days we've had in several months. But I know it's go. gonna snow yep. at the end of the week, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's nice and sunny, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just no wind. Oh um, man. But what what's the one thing that gets you out of bed? If you had to peel away all the layers and everything that you do, what what's the one thing? You know, the idea of of being a good steward uh for my family, you know, for for my Lord Jesus. Uh doing the best I can given the, the unbelievable blessings that I've, you know, don't deserve in life. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you try to live up to them. We're all going to fall short. Right. And uh, it's just a matter of how do we make the next best decision in the moment. And so knowing that each day I'm like, I'm given way more than I ever deserve. And so it's like, how do I, I, I want to enjoy this, but I want at the same time, like understand that I can do things to improve and so if it's, you know, it's, it's really, even though I can, I'm trying to distill it down to one thing, it's really like, it's a very big existential thing, right? It's not like, you know, there's, there's one thing I think about every morning when I wake up and like, that's what shoots me out of bed. It's more like, you know, each day I want to, at the end of each day, I want to look back and, you know, and, and a lot of days, this is not the case. So I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up, like there are many days where I look back and I'm like, man. I don't want to call that a wasted day, but there, I did not handle things as well as I should have. I did not get the things done. I needed to get done. Those days happen more than I care to admit. Um, but if I'm given another day, which I never know if I am, like I want to do my best to, to do the things I want to do to move my family forward, to, uh, to improve myself, to become more capable for them. And then, you know, hopefully in the meantime, give all the glory back, back to God. And if I can do that, then, then most days I'm okay. 
you know, again, doesn't happen all the time. And I know that we will all fall short, but if, if there was one thing, it's, you know, kind of that as multiple branches of it, I guess. No, I got it, man. That's awesome. I, I love again, hitting on all the topics that I talk about in every single podcast is just the, the faith and family aspect, fitness and the outdoors, man, you, you're applying all that. And it's, it seems to be a common theme for people who are successful or passionate about what they do. Uh, they incorporate all of those things into their lives mm-hmm. to some extent. And, and I love that you brought up, you know, being a good steward of what's been given to you because it really is. They're all, they're all blessings, right? It's there's choices laid out in front of us and you make the choice as to what path you're going to go down and either path can be a good one. Um, but we are given so much. And I, I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, you know, I, I don't have any other questions for you. You've given us a lot. So uh, hopefully I, I didn't ramble too much. I'm never on this side of the microphone. So it's usually easy for me to just like say, you know, one or two things to lead someone on. And then I let somebody else ramble for a few minutes. So hopefully it wasn't, I didn't ramble too much, but it's been no. fun to like be on this side of the mic. I haven't, I've only done a couple where I'm like, yes. So it's a fun. I appreciate yeah, it, man. That's awesome. And I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and taking time out of your, your busy schedule and your family and everything you've got going on um, to be on the podcast. So uh, hopefully we'll do another one here in the future. And yeah, man. And, uh, yeah. It, where, where can people find you at? Yeah. So, uh, a couple of places, my main Instagram is where I do a lot of posting. Uh, that's coach Ross Hillier on Instagram. Uh, the nomad strength show is the podcast, uh, that's on Spotify, Apple podcasts, probably other places. It's also on, uh, the waypoint podcast network. Um, so if you go to waypoint, you can see all the other ones that are on there and I'll be on there. Uh, I have nomad-strength.com is the website. I do coaching for men. Like I mentioned before, I've got membership site. Um, it's basically just exclusive content kind of stuff set up, you know, like a kind of, I say, I usually say it's like a Facebook group on steroids. Uh, I do exclusive content in their articles, videos, that kind of stuff. I have coaching groups, uh, that I do programming for we we meet weekly we talk on the phone go do accountability coaching we cover nutrition i've got all kinds of stuff over there so um if you just go to the main website all that info's over there if that's something that's that's interesting to you awesome cool yep you guys go check him out go check out his show go go look at him on instagram and if you need some training um and you need some accountability partnership go check him out um he'll definitely help you out on on that aspect of things virtually so um, thanks again for being on, man. And yeah, thank uh, you. And as I always say, guys, get out, live your life, and love it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I enjoyed having that conversation. Ross is an awesome dude. Uh, again, he he's very passionate about uh, getting people in the outdoors. Obviously, uh, mainly focused on men because you know men have a great impact on the family. And uh, but that's his specialty. So uh, go check him out, guys and uh, incorporate the training that he teaches. He, he knows what he's doing. He's constantly tinkering, getting better, and uh, just living what he preaches. So awesome dude. Go check him out. And again, go check out the links down below. I won't bore you with more details on that, but go save some money if you're already making purchases in those areas of your life. Thanks again for listening, for choosing me at Redbeard Outdoors. Go check me out on Instagram, red.beard.outdoors. And... You guys have an amazing weekend. Get out, live your life, and love it.